Clayton. John Clayton. This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. We got the Turbo Takeover. There it is. Mike Lefko, Robert Turbin here. John Clayton with us. John, how are you today? Good, how are you? We are doing well. Excited for the end of the week, Turbo? Oh, yeah, man. You know what? My daughter's a dancer. She's got a dance recital this weekend. Okay. Okay. There's some heading out to California. Go watch her perform. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. John, I know it's a quiet week this week, but it's really going to heat up next week with the Combine. How is this combine going to be different at all? I know the players, you know, they kind of had that little boycott. Yeah. They got some of what they wanted back. So now, will it kind of be the same as we've seen in the past few years? Hard in the to combine? tell. I'm, I'm still wondering what the agents are going to do mm-hmm. because they may keep some of their players not running and uh, competing there. And if that's going to be the case, they'll wait till their uh, college workout days. And that could set things back a little bit and maybe change the future of the combine. You know, because again, uh, you know, they, they, when you when you go to the combine, the players and the agents, I mean, they like to have a trainer. They like to have you know, I mean, nutritionalist. They like to have everything available to them, and there's going to be a limitation on what they're going to have. I mean, I guess they get one person that now can be with them, but again, I don't know how much time they're going to be able to be with them. <clears throat> so that could change the whole nature of the combine, both this year and for the future. Hey, John, earlier in the show we were talking about the Rams. You know, they went all in. They went and acquired OBJ. They acquired Von Miller. And, you know, they became Super Bowl champions. And so we were talking about Seattle. And, uh, you know, some people are feeling like Seattle should kind of follow that same path. And my question to you is, do, do does Seattle even have the equity to go out and trade for a big name? Uh, and, and should they follow that same kind of all-in mentality that the Rams did? Well, I mean, and I think it's going to be tough. They don't have a first-round pick. And you certainly have to think, you know, with their draft choices, they have to get uh, offensive linemen and cornerbacks. So I don't think they can make a big trade. But, I mean, they can make a trade. There's no doubt about that. It just may not be for a guy for big money. But uh, they've got $38 million in cap room, so they have the flexibility to do some things. But now the question is going to be, what can they do? But they're going to be very active. Yeah, so staying kind of in the division there, uh, I know Sean McVay had kind of kind of floated with the idea of, okay, maybe he's done, maybe he's leaving to go to TV, and Adam Schefter just came out and said, he, he told the Rams, I guess, he's not going. So is that something, in just post-Super Bowl, he kind of was thinking, all right, maybe I want to do something else, and, and now he's back for good? Well, he was thinking about it two years ago, oh. so it's like, uh, you know, this is not the first time he's going to do it, and I don't think he's going to be a long-timer in the coaching game. You know, he may go another year, maybe two years or something like that. But at some point, I think he's going to get into TV. I mean, look at the Troy Aikman contract. Aikman got $17.5 million. McVay right now is making $8.5 million. And, of course, it's a much easier job to be doing the TV than it is to uh, be a head coach. So at some point very soon, you know, not this year, but I think McVay can get out of coaching. Yeah, much much more longevity in that role. Hey, uh, question from the texters: uh, Backup quarterback. Who do you, do you see them bringing Geno back? Do you see them uh, going to get a different free agent? How do you how do you see that role playing? Yeah, out? I mean, yeah, they still have Jacob Eason, so have to see how he develops. But I don't think they're going to bring uh, you know uh, Geno Geno back just because again you know he had the incident off the field. And that was not pretty at all. And so I think that's going to play into the decision. So it's like, uh, no, I think right now they'll either look for a veteran backup, uh, you know, get him close to the minimum salary 
and then uh, see what they have at Jacob Eason. A reminder, you can text your questions in for the professor, 206-421-3776 on the Mac and Jacks text line. We have another one here from the 808. John, the Saints, we know they're a ton of money over the cap. Yeah. I mean, you know, 70, 70 plus, million. Right, yeah. 70 million plus. Uh, it's just like very, very heavy over the cap. Is there anyone on the Saints, the 808 asks, is there anyone on the Saints O-line worth trading for as they dump salaries? Well, I mean, you know, Teron Armstead is a free agent, and they're not going to resign him, but he's going to be too expensive, I think, you know, for what they may want to pay. Uh, there may be one, one or two guys because again, I, I go back to last year where there were 108 million dollars over the cap, and you know they started the season down nine starters from the previous year, so there there can be some guys available. Uh, and you know, one thing that Sean Payton did, he emphasized getting good offensive linemen, and so because of that, that's a it's a pretty good group. So they may have to let one or two go. Hey, John, earlier uh, we were talking about quarterbacks in the market, and seemingly it just keeps continuing to get higher and higher. Uh, We know what's going on in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. It's like, man, do you really want to give a guy – I mean, he's great. He's been an MVP, but you want to give him $45 million a year. Do you see the NFL potentially addressing these quarterback contracts? No. I don't see it at all. Yeah, you know, because again, uh, you know, the players aren't going to like it, and they'll fight it. You know, because you want the maximum value. It's no different than pitchers in baseball. Now, I bring up baseball, knowing that there's a problem right now with their labor issues. But again, I, I still look at the fact that uh, you know salaries are going to go up, and that's just going to be the nature of the game. But the cap's going to go up. I mean, think about the cap going up 26 million dollars this year, from 182.5 to two. 085, and they'll settle on the exact number uh, next week with the Players Association meeting with Management Council and uh, all that. But in the end, I think that uh, you know you just got to accept the fact that you know if you have a quarterback, you got to pay a quarterback. Yeah. So on that note specifically, I mean Lamar Jackson is now looking for his first big contract, yeah. and we've seen what the quarterback market has done to reset each time for Patrick Mahomes and for mm-hmm. Josh Allen. Do you pay him as the top quarterback? Is he no. going to get something around $45 million? So no. what do the Ravens do if he's asking for something along those lines? Put the, you, know, you have the 50-year option on him, so you wait a year, see if he can have a better season than he did the last year, see if he can stay healthy. And so it's like, uh, no, I don't, I don't see uh, – I think they'll you know, stay short-term until he figures how they figure out how he does in the next year. Hey, speaking of the draft, yesterday we talked about how uh, this running back class yeah. is really strong in the draft this year. Are there some other positions in the draft that you feel are as strong? Well, tackle is good. Safety is good. Wide receiver continues to be you know, a great uh, you know, area because, again, we've seen so many great wide receivers come out in the last few years. Now, there may not be uh, any in the top 10 this year, but still it's a good group of wide receivers. So I think those areas are real strong. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as we, we talk about kind of the future here with some teams, we kind of assumed that Jimmy Garoppolo was gone, right? I think we all yeah. were kind of under that assumption. I, I still think he I is. didn't. Well, you thought he was bad? Okay, well, now Adam Schefter said today that, well, he might be back. They don't think that Trey Lance is as evolved as he might be. Mm-hmm. So wh- what do you do here? And is this an awkward situation for Jimmy Garoppolo, who clearly thought he was on his way out at the end of the season? We, we played some of the sound from his press yeah. conference. He was very effusive in his praise for everyone, said how much he liked playing for San Francisco. Is that kind of awkward now for them to say, well, actually, we want to keep you here? 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, he's you know, going into the playoffs. I mean, he had the best winning percentage of any of the starting quarterbacks as far as his starts. Now, again, he's missed so many starts with injuries, you know, more than any other quarterback as a percentage. But again, he's got a great winning percentage. So uh, there's still a chance they could keep him. And of course, you can see he was good enough to get him into the playoffs this year and getting him into Super Bowl a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, I think that in the end, they gave up so much value for Trey Lance, they've got to consider giving him a chance. Hey, John, staying with the quarterbacks, you know, Matt Ryan in Atlanta is going to be the biggest cap hit in the league, I believe, this year. And we never really heard any rumblings about them them potentially wanting to trade Matt Ryan. But could you see the Falcons potentially moving on from him before the start of the season? No, not at all. In fact, I know when he restructured his contract to free up cap room for him last year, uh, talking to people down in Atlanta, that meant he was going to stay two or three years. You know, because again, as you mentioned, it was such a big cap hit, and so much of it is you know how much he restructured and how much it, uh, it caused their cap to increase for the next couple of years. So no, he, they're kind of—I mean, it's not like they're trapped with him because he's still a good quarterback. But in the end, they're going to stay with him. So are they kind of trapped? Then and is that does that affect how teams really kind of look at quarterbacks in the future and not wanting to commit to them long term? Kind of like you mentioned with Lamar Jackson that they don't want to commit to this massive cap hit and really strap their team elsewhere around them. Depends on the quarterback. I mean, if the quarterback's good, they they want to do it. They want to pay him. I mean, you know, like for example, I mean, you can see that other quarterbacks are going to get you know forty plus million dollars. I mean, they did they didn't hold around on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he got his money. Uh, we'll see other quarterbacks get good money. But again, it's like, uh, I mean, you want to make sure that you have your quarterback for as long as possible because the earlier you get a chance to sign him, you know, it's going to be a little bit less than a few years down the road because when the cap keeps going up and up and up, the salaries keep going up and up and up for quarterbacks. There was a port Kyler Murray and the owner of the Arizona Cardinals had a meeting to try to mend some of their differences. How, how is that situation playing out out there right It's now? shaky. Yeah, because, again, you know, the one thing you can say is that it's good that they met, and that's positive. But the only bad part is is that, uh, you know, he shows – you know, it's such an immaturity right now that uh, you know it's it's one where it's like okay he's good today is it going to be good tomorrow is it going to be good on Thursday next week who knows I mean so it's like that has to settle down because it hasn't settled down yet and I think he's going to stay but again you know there's a lot of apprehension right now as far as what they think about him and maybe even what he thinks about them Seems like this is definitely the uh, the contract talk and the season to yeah. do so. So we've seen a couple of questions come in on this. I think uh, the two hundred six most recently. What is DK Metcalf going to kind of command as the Seahawks look to sign him to an extension? What yeah. do you think his value is long term? Is he among the top two or three wide receivers in the league in terms of salary wise? Well, I mean, right now I'd say twenty million. You know, because what they're talking about for Debo Samuel, and again, I'm not. I mean, he may be better than Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel looks like he's going to get twenty million, and a couple of the other top receivers look like they're going to get twenty million a year. And so, if they can get lucky and convince him to take the 20 million that's where I think they can go because certainly as talented as DK Metcalf is I mean he can ask for much more than that John there's some speculation about uh, you know some of the players that the Seahawks can go after in free agency we've talked about Chandler Jones on the defensive line there's one name Stefan Gilmore yeah at the cornerback position could you see them potentially you know going after him and trying to acquire him 
I, I mean, there seems to be a sentiment around the league that they might, you know, because I know that it's been reported, you know, in at least three or four spots here in the last couple of days that he could be a target, you know, because, I mean, the two the two names that have come up from other teams are Xavier Howard in a trade with Miami, and he's one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league. And you, you, you look at, the, you know, what, what you can see from uh, – from him in Carolina, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, he he'll probably come in a little bit cheaper. But no, I think that you know his name is in the mix. So, John, I know the the combine is very important for coaches yeah. and GMs. What about you know for the Seahawks who have a new defensive coordinator? It, it, I mean, is Clint Hurt going to go necessarily, or will he kind of convey what he's looking for to John Schneider and to Pete Carroll? Because you kind of have a whole new defensive system in place, yeah. and I imagine he'll want some input on, on guys they're looking for. So how yeah. does that kind of get conveyed to the higher ups? Well, what's going to be interesting in this combine is that uh, you're going to have fewer coaches there, you know, because a lot of the coaches didn't get hired until t- too late, and there's still going to be limitations on what the uh, you know the access to the play and all those different things you know, because basically I mean you got maybe 30 minutes to uh, you know if you do have the right chance to meet with the players and all that stuff so I don't know what uh, John Snyder's plan is and what Pete Carroll's plan is for who, how many coaches go but I know that fewer coaches are going to be there at the combine from different teams hey John speaking of the Seahawks roster we all know Dwayne Brown's free agent um, you, you foresee the Seahawks bringing him back or exploring some of the other, the other options first? They may explore the other options. I mean, I saw that Pro Football Focus you know, had him getting a two-year, $20 million deal, and I don't think that they'll go that high this time to uh, to pay him that much but uh, you know he's still valuable he was you know he, at least he got into the Pro Bowl uh, as uh, so he got his fifth Pro Bowl trip and so it's like uh, you know there's still a chance that that could happen we'll see with some of these key free ho- uh, Seahawks free agents John who do you think might be a, a tough negotiation I know you know Dwayne Brown held out yeah. for a little bit last year. Quandre Diggs has said he wants to get paid what he deserves, and I think we're kind of used to in the past that the hometown discounts, and I know that yeah. might not uh, you know apply anymore. So, who might be a tougher than expected negotiation with some of these key free agents for the Seahawks this offseason? Well, I mean, Diggs could be tough if he wants too much more than thirteen million a year. DJ Reed could be tough because it's hard to figure out what his value is. Uh, so they've got to kind of sort all that out. I think those are going to be the two toughest guys to try to get because they're so important for the secondary and so important for the defense. And again, you know, where that number comes in is going to be so important to see how it fits in the cap. Where do you see the Seahawks adra- uh, addressing the draft first, position-wise? I think tackle. I mean, tackle, I think, particularly in the second round with the 41st pick, there's going to be some pretty good tackles that will be available. I mean, if you're starting to look at the mock drafts, you know, some have them taking a cornerback, which is possible, and then some have them taking an edge rusher, which is possible. But I, I think right now, when you have three starters who are technically free agents, and we'll see how many they get and what they do in free agency, but I think the tackle is something right now at 41 that they're going to be looking at and certainly they're going to be looking at them a lot at the comp by next week remember you can send your questions in for the professor the mac and jacks text line 206-421-3776 john clayton with us here on wyman and bob with robert turbin and mike lefko filling in john this is an interesting little hire today matt Nagy back yeah. with the chiefs well what does that mean for uh, eric Bieniemy's role and how is Nagy going to fit into this staff well understand that matt Nagy came from kansas city 
and he was and he more than any other coach in the staff was responsible for the Kansas City Chiefs getting Patrick Mahomes you know because in fact what what ended up happening is that uh, Nagy and the general manager Brandon Bean who they who were real tight you know they went to the same school and all that stuff you know all of a sudden started studying and this was on Nagy's suggestion he says you got to watch this Texas Tech quarterback and so what they did and he almost trapped all the coaches in the rooms on the Saturday when the games were being played saying you've got to watch this quarterback and it got to the point where Andy Reid during the season was getting frustrated saying will you just be quiet on this stuff can't we just concentrate on this season and so it was Nagy who is the one who you can credit more than anybody else for getting Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback and so what ended up happening you know unfortunately for Nagy he ends up getting uh, out of the uh, Kansas City going to Chicago and was a disaster there but uh, you know he uh, he got them the one of the great, great quarterbacks in the league and so it's like uh, that's all Matt Nagy so getting him back was good and then of course uh, Andy Reid continues to trump to get Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job that's why they did the one year deal but he's still going to stay in the same role as a you know play caller offensive coordinator and then that Nagy will help out a little bit at the quarterback position and maybe he won't have to recommend any quarterbacks anymore. But again, that's where he's going to be. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting because after all of that work to support Mahomes, he never actually got to work with him because Mm -hmm. then he took that Bears job. So now do you think Nagy saw this as a chance to really come back and the guy that he was ready to groom take him to the next level, which is a scary thought, but it certainly seems like there was some some drop-off for Mahomes down the stretch. Is that where I think Matt Nagy can help him get to that next level? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, again, it's like, uh, I mean, he liked him so much. Unfortunately, you know, the the Bears made the wrong move at quarterback and uh, didn't get the right quarterback. And, you know, he's now gone and went to Buffalo as a backup. But I think that uh, what you're seeing with uh, Mahomes, you know, here's a chance to work with the guy that uh, pushed for you uh, and, you know, got him on a Kansas City roster. So I think that's very important. John, there's some needs. Obviously, the Seahawks need some more than others. We're talking about, man, you need a premier corner. You need a premier pass rusher. Uh, We need a premier left tackle, a center. Mm -hmm. All those positions, John, in your opinion, what is the one that they should address first, they being the Seahawks? Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, obviously getting Quandre Diggs back. Uh, and I'd say, you know, getting DJ Reed back at cornerback and then left tackle or one of the tackle positions, because it's not like, you know, if they don't bring Dwayne Brown back, they're going to be down two tackles because I don't think they're going to bring Brandon Shell back. And so if you're going to be down two tackles, particularly in this division, which has, you know, at the moment, good pass rushers, I mean, then you're in deep trouble. Hey, John, do you have a uh, a favorite memory, a favorite memory of the Combine, maybe a performance that jumped out, either good or bad, but just from all the times that you went, yeah. one guy that you took away and thought, wow, that was extremely impressive? Well, I remember watching Josh Allen throw, and uh, I mean, his... I mean, he had one 75, 80-yard throw down the left sidelines that was just absolutely incredible. And so it's like, you know, because uh, what ends up happening is that, uh, you know, for you know, a, a different 
uh, veteran reporters and that. I mean, you get a chance to watch the quarterback wide receiver part of the workouts. They're going to open it up again this year so you can see that. And so, you know, watching, you know, uh, Josh Allen throw was spectacular. So that was real good. And, of course, I mean, you know, one of the highlights, I think, of the combine uh, was just you know, back in 1990, my first combine, is that Jerome Bettis was such a great guy is that, uh, you know, because he would come out every day uh, into the lobby and said, you guys need me? you need anything? And then after about four or five days, he, end, uh, he says, uh, you need anything? I said, yeah, why don't you go get this guy? And he went to the guy's room and brought the player down. Wow. How's that <laughs> for helping out? Yeah, no, that's... That's that's pretty cool. Jerome Bettis, one of my favorite players of all bus, time. So bus. yeah, the bus man. So it's cool hearing stories like that. John, is there still value in the in the combine? We talked about this earlier. That the, the players and the representatives they're willing to boycott the thing and just say, yeah. you know what, we're good. Is the is is the combine still valuable? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, because again, it's valuable in so many different ways. I mean, one, you know, if the if the players work out and you you know you get to watch how how they compare on the same track with everybody else. Secondly, you get the interviews, that's so important. You get the physicals, that's so important. And then, you know, you also have, uh, you know, all the things that uh, you like. And then, of course, I mean, it's kind of like the baseball owners meetings when you're in December, because, I mean, you know, because I know one of the things that uh, every reporter does is that you walk around and look in the restaurants and say, okay, who is meeting with whom? And so it's like if you see two GMs meeting, you say, okay, what trade are they discussing? And so you pick up on all that stuff. And then, of course, uh, you have the competition committee, you know, meeting to uh, see what ideas that they have for any kind of rule changes. I mean, there's so many great things that happen at the Combine. They're all meeting at St. Elmo's, right? Uh, yeah, St. Elmo's and a couple other places. No, that's What's your favorite, favorite restaurant down there, John? Uh, St. Elmo's. St. Elmo's? Yeah. yeah the shrimp cocktail. You can't miss. Right? No, you can't. Miss. can't. Yeah. Well, John, you doing your show tomorrow? Yes, indeed. 8 to 11, taking your phone calls. All right. We know Matt Nelson will be there. He's here today on the board, yeah. so uh, he is ready to go. John, thanks, and we will talk to you on Monday. Okay, sounds good. All right, that was John Clayton. If you missed any of today's Cold Hard Facts, brought to you by Coors Light, Made to Chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com.